You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 24, and we're talking about reconnecting your church with the community. Do it! Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you lead with confidence and clarity. These are practical solutions for your ministry that you probably didn't learn in seminary. Now, let's join your host, Seth Muse, who watches cartoons without his kids. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. And before we get into today's conversation, which I'm very, very glad to bring you, uh, I have a few housekeeping items I need to make you aware of. If you will go and follow the Seminary of Hard Knocks on Instagram, you can find some premium content that's only happening there for the Seminary of Hard Knocks stuff. I mean, it's communications, it's branding, it's uh, social media, and we're just talking about the things that help us communicate the message and communicate the gospel in our churches really well. So go follow me on Instagram and interact there at the Seminary of Hard Knocks. Also, if you're not quite finished with Easter graphics yet, and and you know that's coming soon, uh, you're kind of behind the eight ball, then uh, I've got a, a, a... deal for you that can help you out. It is through ministry downloads. If you go to ministrydownloads.com, actually, I'll give you the link. It's in the show notes. So go to my link and it's a special deal for 79 bucks. You get almost everything you could possibly want for Easter. Uh, It's a great deal. So that link is going to be in the show notes to get that special Easter download of social media. And uh, you can find the show notes at sethmuse.com slash 24. Oh, that's a good show. Have you guys been watching 24? The new reboot is really good. I I really enjoy it. Hopefully you'll watch it too, but don't tell me what happens. I'm about two episodes behind. So 24 is really great. So go to sethmuse.com slash 24 for the show notes. Um, Today in the episode, we're going to talk with Mark McDonald. And Mark is this guy who just has this, he's an evergreen kind of guy. He's always in, he always knows what he's talking about. Uh, He probably blush if I hear when he hears me say that, but I'm telling you, this guy knows his stuff. He has been around the, the, uh, the, the communications world for a while. He has a company called Be Known for Something, and they help churches with branding and communications and getting into the community that they're in and connecting with it, with the people in the community. So now he's taking kind of their strategy and written a book on basically connecting with your community called, wait for it, be known for something. And today we're going to talk about that book. We're going to talk with Mark about what his philosophies are and what he sees as the issue in the church of why we're not connecting. This is a really great conversation. I was really excited to have him on the show. I can't believe he actually said yes. So uh, here's my conversation with Mark McDonald of Be Known for Something. Check it out. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today on the show, I have esteemed colleague and guest, Mark McDonald. Mark, welcome to the show. Yeah, you now call me esteemed only because you know that I'm ancient. (laughs) Ancient, wise, uh, (laughs) more experienced, however you want to say that. Uh, nice. finding, finding a common, uh, a common, um, thread between your life and mine has been fun in the past couple of minutes. It so. has, <laughs> it, there's a part of me that wishes we could have recorded it. And then there's that other part that says, I'm glad we didn't. Well, about that, I, you know, <laughs> I need leverage on all my guests after they leave. So I archive that in what's in like a, a file somewhere. So, yeah, nice. just kidding. uh, so Mark, you, your experience 
is wide and vast in a lot of different things. You've been kind of a jack of all trades and a master of several, it seems. So tell us a little bit about the things that you're into, what you do, where you're from, and then uh, and we'll start talking. And then we'll talk about your book that you is coming out soon. So tell us who you are. That's awesome. Well, I am Mark McDonald, and uh, I. Anytime that anyone's ever seen me in a conference or in a seminar or a workshop, I have to get out right at the very beginning that I am Canadian. So I do say out and about and house and all of those those weird sounding O's. Um, but I grew up in eastern Canada in New Brunswick. If you go up uh, I-95 corridor all the way through New England, we're 10 hours north of Boston or about five hours north of Bangor, Maine. And uh, I, I had a great opportunity to work for a really large agency there in Eastern Canada, and I became senior creative director after clawing my way to the top, uh, doing production. Uh, and as uh, you and I have talked, we uh, were there's a distance of of a span between us in age. And when yeah, I, I started in the agency world, there was there was no computers and uh, um, and just going from doing paste up on boards with wax and ordering typesetting to getting my first computer there in the uh, I guess the late 80s, and early send, 90s and sending messages with pigeons and having gerbils run the electricity. <laughs> right. Is that the kind of area you're talking about? <laughs> That's pretty much it. When the Ark docked, uh, <laughs> Noah asked me to set up an agency. You were standing there waiting on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And you can't see Mark on, on on this podcast, but I'll tell you, he does not look anywhere near ancient at all. He's still a pretty trendy guy. So it's kind of a funny thing you you, you say that. Um, not at all that much older than I am. So uh, and now you've got a company, a firm that you. Uh, you help churches with some things, right? What, what are you doing with that? My love is certainly on uh, on the uh, advertising, branding, and communication side. And uh, 17 years ago, we set up this uh, agency, which has become be known for something. And we get to work with churches all across the country and really hone our message. I guess as I worked for the big agency in Canada, I just kept thinking, okay, God's going to use this somehow. And um, and as I talked to pastors in Canada, I kept thinking, okay, but have you thought about and and back then in the in the eighties and nineties, you know, a lot of pastors just wanted to push back and say, okay, well, we're a church. We don't do advertising. We don't do marketing. Right. So when, um, when I finally left the agency and we moved to the States, uh, I thought, I don't know whether I can still do it. And that's, that's why be known for something kind of, uh, it, it reared its head because when I was talking with pastors, uh, it's a whole lot easier to say, so what is your church known for in your community, rather than to say, so what kind of brand do you have in your church? Right. So it was it was a way for me to talk in a in a church way to an audience that wasn't ready for secular marketing. Yeah, I know. And I've experienced that, too. A lot of pastors are really hesitant with those marketing terms, even still. And it's it's weird to me because that's kind of what we are already doing just not well 
uh, in a lot of places, but we're just, we just don't want to call it that. And I think it's a connotation deal. They're afraid of that, but ultimately that's what we're doing. And so it's really cool that you've taken that and said, okay, if you don't like those words, let's change the words, but we need to do this. You know, it's like, let's, what are you known for? I love that question that you asked the church. So do you, do, do churches generally know how to answer that question very well? Oh my goodness. No, not at all. And what's, what's kind of crazy is that when, when I, um, present and I start talking about, I mean, we all know each other for certain things. Like you just have to call up your social media wall. And as the, as the, the posts scroll by, you see somebody's icon, um, and, and you, you know, their avatar instantly cries out to you and says, they're going to be complaining or they're going to be, you know, telling a joke or they're going to be doing this. And so we like to compartmentalize who people are based on what, what we know about them. And then instantly, and we, we were joking before that somehow I became known as a technology guy. So a lot of people have compartmentalized me as, oh my goodness, I have a Mac. I'm having problems with it. I, who should I talk? I should talk to Mark. So in their minds, they want to make a quick decision on something. And the way that we do it as humans is that we like to to, you know, jam everybody into certain boxes so that when we need that box, we instantly know that we need to, we need to call that person. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm kind of known online as the lovable troll. <laughs> I, I think that's kind of what they people think of either that or he's like, he's in a fifties biker gang. Uh, Cause I wear the black jacket and I'm like, it kind of looks I mean, I, I look smooth in that jacket, let me tell you, but on the picture, it's kind of like <laughs> nice. a little much, you know, but anyway, uh, well, yeah. when Shrek retires, yeah. I'll get them to call you. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually said something like that the other day I, that I'm, I was a lovable troll that, that I'll troll your feed, but I try to make you laugh. And so, so if I get a laugh, it's like, yeah, it's okay. He can hang out. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, I'm the lovable inter- troll. What's interesting though, is that everybody kind of uh, knows that they should be known for something, but they kind of drift into it. And, and like, you know, I, I was, I was, uh, prowling around your, your website just to try to find out, you know, a little bit more about you. You have your introduction video and, and like instantly, I think it was, you, you tell your story of salvation and then like, bam, halfway through that video, you start your list of, you know, I'm a youth minister, I'm a video editor, a graphic designer, a worship leader, a strategy leader, a logistics planner, a curriculum writer. And it's like all of these things that we are known for yep. by happenstance. And, and for some reason, I think in our minds, we want to diversify. If I'm known for a whole bunch of things, more people will contact me. Yep. But ultimately, that's the problem. People, as soon as you're known for a bunch of things, people don't see you as a master of any of them. Yep. The old so, hat, jack of all trades, master of none, right? Yeah, exactly. And and the problem is, is that we have these churches that are on every street corner and we have this notion that, uh, I mean, oh my goodness, we're a small church. So how can we have all of these different ministries? We need to be known for something for everyone because we see the big non-denom steel box that goes up and, and they're known that they can do everything. So everyone just 
you know, you know, flocks to them. And then the, the smaller church oftentimes says, well, we can't do it like them. Like, how can we, we need to be just like them. And instead what they should be thinking is no, how can you be uniquely different and make sure you're known for it? Yeah. So why do we have to do all of those ministries? And that's a great question to ask yourself when you're trying to decide what it is that you want to be known for and much less what you are known for in your community is what what makes us different than the church down the street. And and when I consult with churches too on random different things or a coach or whatever, I, I start with that question and I tell you, I, I get the same thing you get. It's, well, we're not a big church. And it's like, start telling me what you're not. And I'm like, no, no, no. What are you? What makes you different? What are you going to champion? It's really difficult to see that, uh, of what that difference is. And is that, is that what you would call like a benefit? Is that kind of the benefit you're looking at? Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, the book actually kind of lays out our entire process that we've been doing here at Be Known for Something. You know, for me to be effectively communicating to somebody like you, it's giving you the disservice if I don't know who you are, because I don't know what to talk to you about. And oftentimes the church has lost sight of who they're talking to. So they really need to start reconnecting with their communities because the the communities ha- have totally lost sight of the churches. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the studies are saying about a third of our community has no use for the local church. And and the reason why is they they don't have any benefit to to actually approach a church. Why would they want a church? If, I love talking to people on flights because I, I get to travel quite a bit. Uh-huh. I always, uh, my, uh, I, I teach a, a Bible study and, and as I'm teaching the Bible study, I'll say, okay, this week I'm flying to wherever. Pray for the person that's going to be sitting next to me because I, I use them as, as research and, and, and a study uh, in order to be able to see what they think about the church. Because, you know, you, you start talking to them and then the, you know, I ask them what they do for a living. Then they ask me and then I say, well, I'm, I actually work in church communications and that either makes them put in earphones or they <laughs> yeah. go, really? Why, what do you do? Like, what do you mean church communications? So we get to talk and oftentimes I'm, I'm talking to people on flights who go, you know what? Um, you know, we got married at a church, but I don't really need a church now. Like there's, there's just no benefit of them wanting to approach that box, that compartmentalization that, where someone's jammed all churches into this box and they're saying, there's no benefit for me to use you. Like it would be like that whole concept of, of if someone's looking for Macintosh technology, Oh, I need to talk to Mark. Well, nothing pops up in their mind that they say, therefore I need to contact a church. Yeah. And why do you, why why do you think that disconnect is happening? Because I know that churches really understand the, the church understands the, the benefit. Like when you are, are connected with Jesus Christ, there's a huge benefit there. They get that. There is a reason you want to do this that's really good for you. But we're, we're missing that connection in how to tell other people about it in a way that connects with where they are. And, and, and I, I think that it ultimately comes down to a communication problem. 
we we all know it. Like, you know, oftentimes we like we have this uh, this thing that we call the thread that we like to talk about. What is that thing that you should become known for? Well, people say, well, I mean, I, we're a, a body of believers, so therefore we should be known for Jesus. And it's like, yes, because Jesus is the solution for all your problems. Amen. And it's like, yeah, amen. Oh, we all have this little happy hour. And, and then it's like, okay, so when you had your problem today and you went on to social media because you needed to talk and share and, and ask other people for solutions on it, did you stop and pray first? I mean, if he is the solution in our lives, then why aren't we turning to him more? And I think that the disconnect oftentimes happens is that in the church, we tend to say stuff that we don't act on. And, and we need to make sure that we truly do know what our solution is, and it's ultimately Jesus Christ. But the world doesn't know that Jesus Christ is a solution for all of their problems. Right. The problem comes is that, you know, I, I'm working with a church right now, and they've come up with, oh, my goodness, well, we have a brand, and we have our tagline, and we want to become known for life change. And it's like, oh, amen, because that's what Jesus is all about. It's all about life change. Well, we did a demographic study of their area, and we found out that it is the happiest, most content area in all of America. So none of them want life change. Right. So here's a church going, we offer life change. Watch these wonderful stories. And if people don't want life change— and and a, that's the devil is really good at making people content with where they're at, and and that's the problem. The problem is is that everything has to rise and fall on the audience. You have to figure out what is it that they want as a solution, and then you have to deliver it. And and I mean Jesus was so great at this. I mean, here he is. It says that he distanced himself from the disciples. He went a great distance away from them sat down by a well, and no one was there, and it said that he waited. And he knew that that was a place of need. Somebody's going to come along, and they're going to probably want water if they're coming to the well. So what does he do when she comes to the well? He engages with her about water, a temporal need, and then makes the turn for the spiritual and that's what we need to do. We need to figure out what our communication thread is that will make people go, huh? In in our audience, like, oh, well, okay, I okay. So if we if we look at a community, and we find out that wow, the divorce rate is through the roof compared to other places, and your church is right in the middle of it, then you, I mean, what a great thread to start talking about healthy marriages. Your your marriage is struggling. You're thinking about a divorce attorney. Well, try this first. And the thing is, is that we don't want to talk about the spiritual. We want to talk about the, the temporal, which is what will get their attention. And then we make the turn to Jesus. You know, get them to to read the five love languages. Get them to read love and respect. Get them to um, to to figure out. Here are ten things that you, as a husband, can do this week to make your wife love you more, and have them engage with us on outside of the church walls 
have them, you know, download something, you know, allow us to make, uh, you know, make sure you get your, their email and create your lists and all of that stuff. But then at a certain point you have, okay, this person has been downloading and engaging with us and talking on social media on a very temporal level of, I, I need help with my marriage. Then along the way, you can say, oh, by the way, we have Gary Chapman coming, who is the author of the five love languages, and he's going to be putting on a seminar this Saturday. Would you like to come? It's free. I'd love to give you a ticket. And they go, oh, my goodness. Yes, I would love that. They arrive. And then throughout the evening, you say, I don't even know whether you're aware or not, but every Sunday morning, we have small groups that get together and we talk real marriage. How do we how do we solve our problems? How do we encourage each other and how do we become accountability partners for each other they don't even know it's called sunday school and the thing (laughs) is is that they don't want sunday school they don't want church but oh my goodness if you offer me a solution if you offer me a benefit i'll bite i'll i'll do that that's awesome do you think inviting people to church like the sunday service is that enough of are you saying that's not enough of a draw anymore to to the problem is the problem is is that they don't know why they would want to do that yeah i agree i agree because they they've they've lost sight of any benefit for going to church so so we need to make sure as as a group of believers we've got to figure out what is the thing that would make somebody want to possibly be more engaged with us and then eventually see the stories. But I think that it needs to be a story, not necessarily about life change. I think it needs to be a story about another temporal thread. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And that's my other phone. Um, and uh, We're live, but, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the thing is, is that we oftentimes, we as a church... Um, we have so much stuff that we think that we are known for it, and internally we're kind of known for it, but it's just this—it's just this drone of spirituality that the average person in the in the community, you know, especially the millennials, are looking at that stuff and they're just seeing it as inauthentic, and I don't need it, and why would I ever? And, and they just keep pushing the church farther and further away. Yeah, and the more there's that decline and that, that, that push away, it gets harder and harder to ever find an engagement thread for them. Yeah. And do you, and, and that sounds like a perception issue because it sounds like what you're saying is there is a, a perception that the church has about itself and there's a perception that the community might have about the church and these two are not like the other. Oh my goodness. There was actually a, like a worldwide perception study that was done. And, and they, they asked a whole bunch of questions. What's the perception of, of this and what's the perception of that? And they had them rate them from one to, to a hundred. And along the way they said, so what's your perception of church? And worldwide, the perception of church was ex extremely low. Like people just have no concept of what church is all about. It's like this closed, this, you know, it's it's like a Costco that you, that sells only things you'd never want to buy. (laughs) Like, I mean, why would anyone want a membership in that? But then when they said, okay, so what's your perception of Jesus Christ? 
his perception was extremely high. So, mm-hmm. so that's a delivery, uh, a delivery problem. So we have a great product and an, and a sucky delivery system. Yeah. And I think when we, when we were talking about it, this for, for the church to try and communicate this benefit, you know, I think that's where the, the disconnect is, is like, why you said, why would you want to come here on Sunday morning? Why would you want to be part of this? Why would you want to go deeper? Why would you want somebody to know things about you that aren't favorable? You know, in that kind of level of accountability, I think that sometimes I know I've done this. I know that the churches I've been a part of, we assume a lot about our community and it just, it doesn't connect maybe because it's not accurate. And, and so how can churches find that pulse of the community? What are some things we can do to figure out how to get that disconnect a little more connected? Well, and that's what the entire book is. It's from start to finish. It's how do we figure what you should be known for in your community? And it, it really has to start with get to know your community. And and oftentimes what I find as I as I go and do mystery visits with churches is I attend services and and the people in the church don't look like the people in the community. Um, oftentimes the way we start, you know, all of our process is by doing a demographic study of your reach area. And so we know before we go to a mystery visit, what the average age of that reach area is. And, and most times is in the thirties, it's like 36 or 37. And then we arrive at a church and and I feel young in that church. <laughs> so, oh. and you're yeah. and you're ancient. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate <laughs> you bringing that up again. Uh, you're like hundreds of years old, like Gandalf. Sometimes there's <laughs> pictures painted of me in that church. You know, <laughs> but the thing is, is that we our our stages are the people on our stage reflect who will come to a church and oftentimes the people you see on the stage are a lot older than the people in the community churches that say yeah we just want to get younger and we want to get more diverse and then you look at the people on their stage and there's no nothing young there and there's nothing nothing diverse mm-hmm. and and what we need to do is we need to concentrate on who is our community and how can we look more and more like it? How do we communicate directly to them in their demographic? What is their, you know, their main concerns in life? If you're trying to get younger and you're trying to aim for millennials, millennials have different problems than baby boomers. So oftentimes our churches are set up for the baby boomers and, and then we wonder why millennials don't come. Right. And, and it's because the baby boomers get something out of their church. They have a benefit thread that that appeals to them, but we have no benefit thread that would uh, correspond with millennials. Right. I, I've actually been part of a few re, rebrands in a couple of different churches, and it's it's very discouraging. If you're on church staff right now, I want you to really hear me on this because it's very discouraging to even have a company come in like yours or like another company might come in and say, here's the demographics. Here's the group. Who are we trying to reach? And then actually drill down on who you want to reach and then figure out this great plan only to go off and completely ignore that in our actual execution of it. 
you know, to say we want younger families to come in. We want to focus on young families. That's really, not, are you are you saying that the church does something that's counterintuitive? It's counterintuitive. It's very <laughs> counterintuitive to what you're trying to do. It's like I want to walk over there to that side of the room. I am therefore going to sit down. What what is that? You know, it's like why why do we do that to ourselves in knowing what we need to do, but yet we can't do it. And and for me, I always see some sort of backdoor kind of game being played about well, this this is the way we've done it before, or we're not going to be able to make these changes because of these certain people who are influential or whatever. And for me, I'm kind of on the side of like a Gary V or somebody like that. I'm like, hey, forget that. Just do it. It's important to do this. That's just me, though. I, but it really I rub people the wrong way. But it really, I mean, you are a troll. I am. Um, I'm lovable. I'm a lovable troll. <laughs> lovable troll. Um, but the thing is, is that it really has to start with the leadership of the church. You know, a lot, a lot of church communicators is when I'm talking to them, you know, their hands shoot up and it's like, so how do I get my leader to change? Well, it's going to be really tough. Yeah. I mean, it, it really has to come from above. And, and you as a church communicator have got to start advocating for your audience. And most of the church communicators that I know are, are advocating for their congregation, not their community. And they've got to start that Mm. shift towards the community. And then when the pastor says something that's counterintuitive to the community, you say, that's interesting because I actually know this about the community and I don't think that that's going to correspond and the thing is, the more you keep talking, I i mean, every senior pastor I've ever met wants to reach the community. Right. But the congregational poll and the making sure that the congregation is happy is is the his his you know nagging issue so all he's doing is just oftentimes trying to keep up with the congregation and you as a communicator have got to keep up with the community and and allow uh, a little bit of pushback or at least a balance or a tension that has to happen between who you are currently and who your community is drifting away and 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 how they're drifting away yeah, and I think that's that's exactly it. I mean, I think there's so many part-time and volunteer communicators who maybe feel like I can't say anything on this because I'm just part-time or I'm just volunteer. And the truth is that, man, we need those balances. The Pastors need those balances because having been a pastor at one point, I was not thinking about how am I going to share this message clearly with my online community. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do right there in that room that night. You know, and so helping pastors to think through these things, it takes a lot of boldness. It takes some courage. And I just, you know, I hope that people will have the courage to step up and do that. Um, let's talk about your book real quick. Um, you've, the book is called Be Known for Something, ironically titled, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of your whole thing, right? So uh, Be Known for Something is a book you've written. And tell, when is that supposed to be out? And kind of give us a little bit of a synopsis of what we can expect in there. For sure. It is be known for something and it and it really is a how to guide for reconnecting with community and the way we do it is by revitalizing your church's reputation. So um 
that book, it ends, every chapter ends with discussion questions so that you, it's a, it's a great team devotional. Um, you know, I've had senior pastors go through it and, and say, oh my goodness, I need to do this with my board. Uh, and other church communicators that say, I need to do this with my whole team, whether it's a staff team or, or a volunteer team. But, um, it, it launches April 10th. Okay. And uh, the easiest way is either to look on Amazon for it or if you go to beknownbook.com, we'll have – there's my phone again. <laughs> I got I to make sure I turn those things off later. So You're so uh, popular. Yeah, right. Uh, so beknownbook.com will have all the information and, uh, and you'll be able to order either a physical book or a Kindle book through Amazon. Awesome. And it's, so it's out April 14th, you said? April 10th. April 10th. April 10th. Awesome. And uh, when you're writing the book, when you know how sometimes you get in this, in this mode where you're like, I love what I'm writing right now. Uh, it took you like two and a half years, you said, to write it. But what was your favorite part to write? Oh, my goodness. I, you know, it's interesting because um, uh, a book is very cathartic. So, I mean, I've been doing this for 31 years and, and it was, I really wanted it to be. So at the end of 31 years, here's what I've learned. And, um, and I started to, to describe the problem and, and that was the hardest part because we have the greatest story that ever needs to be told. And we have the greatest solution ever delivered to mankind. And we have an awful delivery system. And, mm -hmm. and when I got to the point where it was, so here's how you discover your thread. It, it's kind of like, you know, talking about somebody's, uh, oozing wound. And the more you describe it, yeah. the more you get into the detail of it, you're going, oh my goodness, all they need to do is this. And, and when it, it came to, um, I think it's, it's either the 10th or 11th chapter where it's like, so here's how you discover your thread. Um, it just felt like, okay, just put this on the wound, please do it now. And, and things will get better for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, 4,000 churches in America close every year. Uh, you know, 80, more than 80% of our churches are in, in uh, decline or stagnation. That's, it's a big gaping wound. Uh, you know, we always know about that church in our community that's growing, but the majority of people who contact us um, have started the slippery slope downward because they've drifted away from their community. And and I just want this to be a wake-up call to say, get back to the community and understand your community and become a solution to their needs and then make the turn to Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Well, Mark, thank you so much. This has been really insightful and helpful. And everybody needs to go get that book when it comes out and look for it, put it on your wish list or whatever. Uh, if you can find it and, and if you can't, you can always go to the show notes for this episode and uh, you will be able to get a link to it eventually there once it comes out. So, Mark, thanks so much for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime. Well, before you go, we're going to do our classic five on the spot, five random questions with our guests to uh, just kind of you know, be ridiculous or whatever. Um, so are you ready to go? Oh, I'm scared. Yeah, he hasn't seen these. We haven't talked about these at all. And these are 
uh, questions created by uh, my MacBook at random. <laughs> so, um, nice. here we, so here we go. Question one. What does Canada do best? Oh, my goodness. Canada um, <laughs> probably does poutine best. And what is that? I, Poutine is um, f- taking the best crunchy French fries you can get and then big uh, cheese curds and putting that over top and then pouring gravy over it all. Wow. And what ends up happening is that the gravy melts the cheese and it all comes into the stringy mess and you dip it in ketchup. All the fast food restaurants back home have it like you can have the McDonald's uh, extra value meal with poutine up upsize. Um, it, it is, it's just, it's amazing. It, it doubles the fat content in almost everything you eat, but it's really good. Sorry. I, I blacked out for a second while you were talking. It was so good. <laughs> wow. That sounds delicious and very, very terrible for you, uh, which is usually the, the combination that wins, right? <laughs> exactly. Question two, if you had to spend $1 million today, what would it be on? Oh my goodness. Um, you know what? I would love to give away all of our services. And I know that sounds um, churchy and all that stuff, but I, I'm i contacted on a regular basis. The majority of churches in America today are under 100, and, yeah. and most of them can't uh, afford you know, a service that we offer. Uh, we're trying desperately to figure out how can we do it. But with our, you know, we have a studio full of, of developers and a studio full of, of designers and and then strategists and researchers. I, I have to pay their salary and I wish that I could just I was independently wealthy and I could just pay their salaries and we could just offer it for free because we need to get the message of, of Christ out to the hopeless. Well, you heard it there. My my one listener that has a million dollars to give. That's where you can give it right there. So go Amen. and, and, and I'll, I'll give you a receipt. Yeah, there you go. Tax deductible and all. So <laughs> there, bless, bless him. Just bless him. All right. <laughs> Question three, which accent is better in the U.S., Southern or Northern? Oh, my goodness. I, I, there's something that I like about the New England accent. Um, and for me, what I was waffling on about the, the poutine was lobster. I miss lobster from back home. Really? Uh, growing up, you end up, um, you know, most of the people in my, the next generation above me in our area, you, you either could afford Turkey for Christmas or you ended up having to eat lobster, the low, lowly lobster because it was so <laughs> plentiful. Yeah. And, uh, so we had lobster around, uh, the holidays and, uh, and, and, and to me, like I just instantly almost hear that new England main accent. However, <laughs> I live in the, in the South and, uh, and I, I probably uh, drift into Southern drawl faster than I would ever drift into a New England accent. So I guess that means that I would like the Southerners. Yeah, uh, the, su- the Southern accent does have a way of tractor beaming you into it. And it's just like a black hole. It just sucks you in it's like the mafia almost. Yeah, it's like you exactly. really can't get out of it. And I mean, and I don't want to throw everyone under the bus, but it's it's just a a lazy dialect. Like it's just easy. Yeah, it's very easy. 
I drop into it when I'm tired. And, yeah. You know, and I'm I'm probably I mean, even now when I'm not tired, it, you can probably hear it definitely. But when I get tired, I get real like my lips stop moving. I just don't want to say anything like without without moving my lips. You know, it's just really yeah. bad. And, really and bad. I also I love how like in up north we would say I'm going to do this, and here they say I'm fixing to fixing do it. Too. Yep. And and I love that uh, that idiom because you know fixing everything that we do is hopefully fixing something and it it just goes along with a, you know the being home for something we need to become a solution so everything you should be doing you should be fixing to do it right so what you're saying is southerners care way more about the world than northerners got it so <laughs> question number I'm, just kidding. I'm from southern canada though <laughs> all right so uh all right so question five and this is a this is a tough one. Finish this sentence. I could get a lot more done each day if only I didn't procrastinate. That's How's a, that for transparency? That's a very logical answer. Very logical. <laughs> your your solution follows, sir. Yeah. <laughs> It, the thing is, is that um, I, I oftentimes in my uh, discussions that I have with creative people and communicators is that um, when we're dealing with creatives, which I am one of them, we don't need more time. We just need a tougher deadline. Mm-hmm. And what I what I have to do, I have I have my way of making sure I get stuff done is by assigning everything a deadline and then telling the people that it'll be done at a certain time. Um, and, uh, and that allows me to get more done because I, I like that constant pressure of trying to get it done on time. Awesome. And, and fun fact, kind of jumping back to the last one, um, fun fact about Seth, I have never eaten a lobster. No, never in my life. Do you think you would like it? Maybe. I don't know. I hear there's basically no taste unless it's dip just doused in butter now do you like shrimp i kind of someone do once told like me that crawfish the, no i don't like crawfish someone once told me that the shrimp were the cockroaches of the sea and i have <laughs> had a hard time eating them ever since then so you're welcome everybody if i ruined it for you they certainly crawl along the bottom of the ocean and and clean yes so i mean and there's only there's only some stuff that tumbles down <laughs> to the bottom of the sea <laughs> yeah. and and that's what that's what feeds lobsters. Now, my grandfather loved the the body of a lobster. He, you know, we'd eat the the tail and the claw, and uh, he would always ask for the body, and he would just like stir it around so it was like a slurry of stuff that they ate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I, there, that's not me at all. But yeah. a good lobster cooked, chopped up with a little bit of mayo and celery in a in a buttered. Uh, toasted hot dog bun. That's what we call a lobster roll. They even serve them in McDonald's back home. Oh, wow. And the McLobster is well worth the effort if it's a good uh, good lobster roll. The McLobster. I can't believe that it actually exists. That's awesome. All right. <laughs> Last question, and it's a big one. What is the best defense against an attack from a swarm of butterflies? Oh, the thing is... I- <laughs> butterflies all you have to do is just touch their wings and like they they drop to the ground and start flitting around so (laughs) just reach out and touch one (laughs) so the appropriate response to an attack by a swarm of butterflies is try to touch them all touch them (laughs) (laughs) so so swing your arms around a lot maybe scream 
That's that's he, a hilarious picture, by the way. Help, hey, help, I, I'm being attacked by butterflies. <laughs> 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 well, Mark, thanks so much for being on the show, man. This was a lot of fun and very insightful, very helpful. Um, thanks so much for your insight and your 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 wisdom on this stuff. Uh, thank you. And I, I appreciate all that you're doing. Every time that I hear one of your podcasts and, and, or read one of your blogs, I mean, you get it and you should just keep saying it over and over and over again. Well, thanks. I appreciate that too. Uh, all right, everybody, we will, we will be back next week with another podcast. I have gone week to week during this time until the end of May. So I'll see you again next week. Thanks for being with us. See you.